In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Let us celebrate the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Mary. Let us adore her Son, who is Christ the Lord. This is an antiphon used by the Church's liturgy to encourage us to take full advantage of today's wonderful feast day in the Church, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Mary. Let us celebrate the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Mary. And it's truly a cause for joy, Our Lady's Immaculate Conception, her being free from original sin from the very first moment of her existence, is one of the great wonders of God. It's one of God's great interventions, great miracles on our behalf. And it's a miracle, it's an intervention that is for all of us. It's a preparation for Christ. St. Ambrose, whose memorial we celebrated yesterday on December 7th, has a wonderful praise of Our Lady. He writes, The first thing that inspires enthusiasm in learning is the greatness of the teacher. Who is greater than the mother of God? Who is more glorious than the one whom glory itself chose? She was a virgin not only in body, but also in mind. No guile stained her sincerity. She was humble in heart, prudent in mind, sparing of words, studious in reading. She put her hope not in riches, but in the prayer of the poor. There was nothing gloomy in her eyes, nothing forward in her words, nothing undignified in her acts. There was no foolish movement, not a unrestrained step. She was never irritable. In this way, her outward appearance itself became the image of her soul, the representation of what is approved. And so today in our prayer, Lord, we ask you for the grace to contemplate the beauty of your mother, the wonderful work that you accomplished in her soul, in her body, in her whole being by giving her this, this great favor, this great favor of holiness, confirmation and grace from the very moment of her existence. In today's gospel, we have a hint and more than a hint as to Our Lady's special favor from God. Today's Gospel recounts the scene of the Annunciation where Our Lady receives her vocation to be Mother of God and responds to it with that resounding yes. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. This title that the angel uses for Our Lady, Hail, full of grace, full of grace, is the key to the mystery of the Immaculate Conception. Our Lady is full of grace, 
because she's been filled with grace. Her holiness is the result of God's action, of God's initiative. He's filled her with grace. He's poured his favor into her. He created her in grace. And this is a wonderful lesson, a wonderful truth, Lord, that we have to keep learning, that you are not stingy with your holiness. St. Paul says that you did not count your divinity as something, as something to be clung to. You're not jealous of your goodness. Your holiness, your divine purity, your sinlessness is not something you cling to, you keep to yourself. You share it with your mother, first of all, first and foremost. You share it with your mother, Our Lady. And you also share it with us. And we, when we contemplate, when we think about Our Lady's holiness, her receptivity jumps out at us. She's all holy because her entire being is receptive. And this is encapsulated, it's summarized in her response to the angel's message. Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. Be it done unto me according to your word, which is called her fiat, her be it done. It's an attitude, it's a response of receptivity. Be it done to me, be it done unto me. And we see this in a special way today, this relationship, this interplay between God's initiative, God's wanting to share his holiness, and our ladies being receptive that our, our God, our Lord, loves her even as he creates her. He saves her and makes her receptive even as he's creating her. He creates her in his redeeming love. And Lord, you treat us in a similar way, not exactly the same way, of course, but in a similar way, Lord, you love us before you create us. You create us in love. You create us out of love. You create us in order to love us. And those of us, and I, I count myself among this number, those of us who have had the, the great grace of being baptized as, as infants are really not too far away from Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. We were saved by God without our having much to do with it. Less than a year after we started existing at all, while we were still so tiny and, and, and our freedom couldn't express itself, we couldn't act with our will or our consent, and yet God gave us the grace of baptism, removing original sin. The greatest task in my interior life, Lord, will be to imitate Our Lady's receptivity. Holiness, interior life, is not so much doing something, but in letting God do something. It's not so much in being capable of doing something on my own, but rather of learning how to let God love me more and more. How to let God truly be God. To allow Christ this Advent truly to be our Savior. And in this at times we have to learn how not to try too hard. Sometimes we very easily fall into, into a kind of voluntarism, into a kind of Pelagianism or semi-Pelagianism. In which the emphasis is put way too much on our own initiative. 
way too much on our own response, on our own responsibility. We have to stop trying hard in the wrong way. We have to try hard with more faith in God, with more trust in God. I had a friend who summarized this principle. He would say, life is like golf. The harder you try, the worse it gets. And if you've ever golfed before, you realize there's there is a lot to that. You can't just muscle your way through golf. You can't just muscle your way with pure effort to holiness. We have to open our souls to God's action. We have to be receptive. Our Lady has rightly received great praise from all the saints. And this doctrine that Our Lady is conceived without original sin goes way back to the fathers of the church. Thou alone and thy mother are in all things fair. There is no flaw in thee and no stain in thy mother. St. Ephraim from the 4th century, talking to our Lord. You alone, Lord, and your mother are in all things fair. There's no flaw in you and no stain in your mother. St. Ambrose again, also in the 4th century. Mary, a virgin not only undefiled, but a virgin whom grace has made inviolate, free of every stain of sin. And this was proclaimed dogmatically by the church in the 19th century in 1854. Pius IX invoked his extraordinary magisterium to define this dogma definitively for the church. In that document, he wrote the following. This doctrine, the doctrine precisely of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception, freedom from sin from the very first moment of her existence, this doctrine so filled the minds and souls of her ancestors in the faith that a singular and truly marvelous style of speech came into vogue among them. They have frequently addressed the Mother of God as immaculate, as immaculate in every respect, innocent, and truly most innocent, spotless and entirely spotless, holy and removed from every stain of sin, all pure, all stainless, the very model of purity and innocence. More beautiful than beauty, more lovely than loveliness, more holy than holiness, singularly holy and most pure in soul and body, the one who surpassed all in integrity and virginity, the only one who has become the dwelling place of all the graces of the Most Holy Spirit. God alone accepted Mary is more excellent than all and by nature fair and beautiful and more holy than the cherubim and the seraphim. To praise her all the tongues of heaven and earth do not suffice. The singular beauty, the singular holiness, Lord of your mother. We can never praise her enough. We can never wonder at her greatness enough. And that that proclamation by Pius IX in 1854 was followed up by a, an extraordinary manifestation of this doctrine in the figure of Our Lady of Lourdes appearing to St. Bernadette in southern France. In our prayer today, Lord, in your presence, in the presence of our mother, who's so wonderful, watching over us, I think it will be helpful. It could help us to pray 
and to read Bernadette's own recollection of those appearances in Lourdes. The first one happened on February 11th, 1858. And this is the story in Bernadette's own words. Early on February 11th, 1858, my sister Toinette, age 11, and my friend Jean Abadie, age 12, set off with me to gather firewood for my mother. They crossed the mill stream by the river Gev while I sat down to take off my shoes. I was taking off my stocking when I heard a noise like the sound of a storm. I looked at the trees near the river, but nothing was moving. I was frightened, and I stood up straight. Bewildered, I looked across the mill stream to a niche above the, a cave in the rock of Masabiel. A rose bush on the edge of the niche was swaying in the wind. It was all that moved. All else was still. A golden cloud came out of the cave and flooded the niche with radiance. Then a lady, young and beautiful, exceedingly beautiful, the like of whom I had never seen, stood on the edge of the niche. She smiled and smiled at me, beckoning me to come closer, as though she were my mother. And she gave me to understand in my soul that I was not mistaken. What a beautiful first encounter with Our Lady, which, which tells us so much. She smiled and smiled at me. And we too, our mother, Mother Mary, are your children, are your sons and daughters. And she smiles and smiles at us. She smiles at each one of you individually. And she smiles at each person in your life. She loves us with affection. When she sees us like a good friend or like a relative, her reaction is to smile. Lord, help me to try to see Our Lady's smile today, to see her face today, to let my heart be warmed by her, to be warmed to a greater love for you, Lord, a greater love for God and a, later, a greater love for the people in my life. The lady was dressed in white, Bernadette's account goes on. With a white veil on her head and a blue sash at her waist, a rosary of white beads and a golden chain was on her right arm. On that cold winter's day, her feet were bare, but on each foot was a golden rose radiant with the warmth of summer. I went upon my knees and took my rosary from my pocket. The lady took her rosary from her arm, and I began to cross myself. My arm could not move until the lady herself made a beautiful sign of the cross. What a great detail that Bernadette can't start praying without Our Lady. And something like this is true in our own interior life, that we can't pray without her. She's the mediatrix of all graces, all the graces in my life. Lord, come through the intercession of your mother because you come through her. Lord, we can't pray without her, and we don't want to pray without her. We don't want to take a step in our life, in our interior life, without her help, without her support. The lady let me pray the rosary on my own. She passed the beads through her fingers. 
but she did not say the words. She signed for me to come closer, but I did not dare. She smiled at me. She bowed to me. She disappeared into the niche. The golden cloud faded, and I was all alone. What an amazing detail. She bowed to me. This reveals to us the dignity of the Christian soul. Why would Our Lady ever bow to anyone except God? Well, she's precisely, I think, bowing to the Christian soul because in the Christian soul she sees her son. She sees the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. She sees the son's love for the father and the father's love for the son. She sees her son in Bernadette. And so she bows to Bernadette's own dignity as a daughter of God. On Sunday, I asked my father's permission to return. He said, a lady with a rosary can't be evil. And he gave permission. I always love that reaction of Bernadette's father. A lady with a rosary can't be evil, so go ahead. A group of us went. I began my rosary and the lady appeared in the niche and smiled at me. I sprinkled some holy water saying, if you come from God, stay. If you don't, go away. The more I sprinkled, the more she smiled. I knelt and gazed at her lovingly. On Tuesday morning, I returned to the grotto, and this time she went with a couple of of, uh, ladies. They brought a pen and ink with them. I began the rosary, and the lady appeared, surrounded with light. I went into the grotto, and the lady came down from the niche and stood beside me. If you are from God, I said, Please tell me what you want, or else go away. At, if you are from God, she smiled. At, or else go away, she shook her head. I asked, would you be so kind as to write down your name? There is no need to write what I have to say, she answered, and she laughed. Then she spoke again. Would you have the graciousness to come here for 15 days? Would you be so gracious were her exact words. And I was astonished that she should speak to me in patois and in a manner so gracious. I will ask my parents permission, I replied, and I will come. She responded, I do not promise to make you happy in this life, but in the next. Then go and tell the priests that a chapel must be built here. And so Bernadette is surprised by by Our Lady's speaking to her in such a familiar way. She speaks to her with the local dialect in the south of France, in that patois. It'd be like Our Lady appearing now and speaking with a a strong Boston accent or with, with a strong Texan accent appearing in Texas or Massachusetts. Our Lady is truly human, and when she communicates, she communicates in a way that we can understand. The Lady had said on her third visit, go and tell the priest that a chapel must be built here. I knew in my soul that she meant Father Perimal. He was a man whose heart belonged to the poor. For years he paid the rents of 35 families in Lourdes to save them from eviction. I saw him in his garden and he de- and decided to approach him. What do you want and why have you come, he asked. 
Father, I have come from the lady. Oh yes, you say you see visions, and you upset the whole countryside with your stories. Do you know the lady's name? No, Father, I do not. But I see her as clearly as I see you, and she talks to me as clearly as you talk to me. She is surrounded with light and wants a chapel built at Masabiel. Father said he would not deal with a nameless vision. He called me an imposter and a show-off. Gruff though he was, he never humiliated me or my mother. Eventually, he became my best friend. And then the, the account goes on a, a little later. The lady did not come until evening time on Wednesday, standing effortless, effortlessly on the little wild rosebush. She greeted me. She bowed to me. She made her wondrous sign of the cross. She asked for the chapel, the procession, and she disappeared. When she left, I was amazed to find myself still in this world. We can ask our Lord, Lord, give me the grace of a greater prayer life. Give me the grace of contemplation, of a greater spiritual, intimate union with you. To pray is to be with God in our prayer, to, to try to dwell in his presence. Lord, help me every once in a while to be amazed to find myself still in this world because I've been trying to commune with you. I've been lifting my mind and heart above the things of the world to be one with you, to look at you, to love you, to trust you more. And for this, Lord, help me to leave behind what, whatever I need to leave behind to be more contemplative. We can't leave it behind always, the things that distract us, but for periods of the day, it's good that we do so that, so that when we sit down to pray, our minds and our hearts are more recollected, more ready to focus entirely on God. More, that, more ready to receive the grace of contemplation, the grace of a greater prayer life in silence. If our Lord, if and when, our Lord wants to give it to us. And he does give it to people. He does give it to us if we persevere in prayer, especially in our mental prayer. Lord, help me to leave behind everything when I go to pray. The internet, my phone, my inbox, my text, my job, my worries, even myself, Lord, to be lost in you. It brought me down to earth to have to visit Father Perry Mill again. Did you ask her name? Yes, but she only smiled. Well, if she wants her chapel built, let her tell me her name and let her make the rosebush blossom. Then I will build the chapel. And if I build it, I tell you, he said softly, it will not be a small one. Thursday, March 4th was the last of the 15 days. It was 8,000 people gathered around the grotto. It seemed that the lady had got her procession already, and so, the, so Our Lady had asked for a chapel to be built and also a procession. We started the rosary, and at the second decade, the lady came and lifted me into a world where the language is prayer and the environment is heaven. Again, Lord, we ask you to bring us into your environment, into your place into your being, into your heart, with Our Lady. We want to experience this, Lord, as much as we can in our own way. To be able to love you above all things, Lord, we need an experience of you. My faith is helpful and it pleases you, but I want more. It's not enough. 
Lord, we desire you. We want to be lifted into this world where language is prayer and the environment is heaven. When the lady left, I extinguished my candle and set off to give her message again to Father Paramel. He greeted me with, What did the lady say? I asked her name, I answered, but she only smiled. When I asked her to make the rosebush blossom, she smiled even more. She still wants the chapel. She must tell her name, said the father. Then in a a tone so soft it surprised me. If I knew it was the Blessed Virgin, I would do all she desires. On March 25th, I was roused from sleep by an inner insistence to go to the grotto. It was still dark when I reached Masabiel. The lady was there and waiting for me. I apologized for keeping her waiting, for I had caught a cold. She smiled. I knelt down. We said the rosary together. Then the lady came very close to me. I told her how I loved her and how happy I was to see her again. What a wonderful attitude. What a wonderful thing we can imitate from St. Bernadette. Every time we pray the rosary, not just to repeat the words, not just to focus on our petitions, not even just to focus on the mysteries, but to tell Our Lady that we love her and that we're happy to see her again, we're happy to address her again. Mademoiselle, I said, would you be so kind as to tell me who you are, if you please? Instead of replying, she only smiled. It seems like Our Lady loved to smile at St. Bernadette, and she loves to smile at each one of us. The Immaculate Conception, her freedom from sin has made her so loving, so affectionate, so human, so caring. I said again, would you be so kind as to tell me who you are? I said this four times altogether. The lady extended her hands towards the ground, swept them upwards to join them on her heart, raised her eyes, but not her head to heaven leaned tenderly towards me and said, I am the Immaculate Conception. She smiled at me. She disappeared. I was alone. I did not understand the words, but I knew the priest would. I knew also the lady loved the priest. Leaving my candle at the grotto, I went straight to Father Paramal, saying the lady's name to myself along the way. Father was waiting for me, I bowed and said, I am the Immaculate Conception. Seeing his surprise, I explained, Akero said, I am the Immaculate Conception. Akero was what um, Bernadette had been calling Our Lady because, because Our Lady had not yet told her that she was the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so Akero was like that person or that thing or that lady, the vision. And so the priest is surprised because Bernadette shows up and says, I am the Immaculate Conception. And then she has to explain, no, okay, the vision said, I am the Immaculate Conception. This is the name she gave me. The good priest stood there stunned. Suddenly he stammered, do you know what that means? I shook my head. I said, no. Then how can you say the words if you do not understand them? I repeated them all along the way, I replied. Then I added, she still wants the chapel. We can imagine Bernadette repeating on the way these words that she doesn't understand. She hadn't 
read the proclamation of Pius IX. She hadn't even heard it preached about or anything four years earlier. And so she's running to see the priest, having at last gotten the name from the lady, and she's repeating it to herself, I am the Immaculate Conception, I am the Immaculate Conception, I am the Immaculate Conception. And the first thing she says to the priest is, I am the Immaculate Conception. And then explains to him that this is what Our Lady called herself. I am the Immaculate Conception. The priest was by now deathly pale, but he pulled himself together saying, Go home now, child. I will see you another day. Years later, I learned that Father wrote to the bishop that night, and as he wrote, his heart filled up with emotion and his eyes filled up with tears. What my, what my lady meant by I am the Immaculate Conception, I had no idea. And then she goes to a, a friend of hers who, who had a, she says, had a serene sense of the supernatural and asked this lady what it meant. Madame Muswell, what does it mean, Immaculate Conception? She explained how Pope Pius IX had applied these words to our Blessed Lady four years ago on December 8th. It was then I realized I could speak what was unspoken in my soul for seven silent weeks, that Akero was the Immaculate Virgin Mary. She was the mother of God, and she had been stepping out of heaven to share her soul with me. She had taught me prayers no soul on earth had prayed. She had promised me happiness, not in this world, but in the next Through all her visits, she had spoken not the flawless French of the town officials, but the homely words of my Lord's patois. Holiness and prayer are simple. God's mother taught me so. Lord, on this feast day of your mother, help us to be bold enough to ask her for similar favors. We ask you, Our Lady, teach us to talk to God. Teach us the simplicity of holiness and prayer. Teach us your own receptivity to God. Teach us to say our own fiat, our own let it be done unto me according to your word. Hail full of grace, filled with grace. The grace that fills Our Lady doesn't just happen to be there. It's the result of God's love, of the action of God. She's been filled with grace by God. She's constantly being filled with God's grace. Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. Help us to fight against sin and and help us to fight for love in our life. Help us to be receptive to God's plans, to God's ways, as as you were. And help us, like St. Bernadette, to learn how to deal with God more intimately, more familiarly with more trust. Our Lady, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.